Dr. Higgins at um, ShareTalk, and this morning I have the pleasure of speaking with Jeremy Martin of Orizante Minerals. Um, Jeremy, you've released this morning some um, very positive pre-feasibility studies at your now enlarged um, nickel project in Brazil. Um, we, I'm going to discuss that with you this morning and go into some detail of what's happened and what work you've done thus far. Is that okay? Yeah, good morning. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you too. Now, Jeremy, these results um, are quite robust looking at the, the long-term mining life of, of this project. Would you like to go into details with it for me, please? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're very pleased with the results from the new pre-feasibility study. Um, just to sort of put the, uh, the background to this, we, we acquired the adjacent uh, project from Glencore, which we closed in uh, Q3 this year. Um, and this pre-feasibility study covers the combined um, project and it really underpins um, the, the driver for doing the Glencore transaction. If we look at the new um, reserve statement in the pre-feasibility study, we uh, have a high-grade reserve of uh, 24 million tonnes at 1.7 and that gives the first 10 years of mining at 1.9 and five in the first years at 2% uh, nickel. And that puts this resource um, globally at the upper end in the upper quartile of the global, global grade curve. So that's a key factor. Yeah, that's good, that's good news, yeah. Um, that then flows through into the economics and it's had a major um, positive impact on the economics. If you look at our numbers, we have um, selected $12,000 a tonne as the long-term nickel price to use in the model. Um, most of the banks and consensus numbers for, for mid-term in nickel are $14,000 a tonne. So we've been conservative in the price we've used. Yeah. And if you look at the headline numbers there, um, it gives a net present value of $320 million, uh, an internal rate of return of 19%. Um, it pays itself back in uh, just over four years and generates $1.3 billion of, of free cash flow. But the key thing is, at today's nickel price, which is $10,600 a tonne, the operation is profitable. And at today's levels, it generates around 40 to $50 million of EBITDA a year. So that's a key thing. We are now able to operate at this very low nickel price environment. Um, our C1 cost, which is our, our all-in production cost, um, will be down at around $6,900 a tonne. So... It's, it's a robust project, and, and that really is a function of the, the Glencore asset coming in, giving us that high grade and also a reduction in our costs and a, and a reduction in mining costs as a whole. So we're very pleased with the study. Yeah, I mean, you're you, you, you obviously putting this on, on going to be getting this on stream at a very good time because I'm, I'm reading now that global inventories, nickel inventories are, are, are going down, yeah, are shrinking whilst demand is actually creeping up. Absolutely. So, so, I the think, I think, gonna, so the pressure is going to be on the price going forward, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we, we've seen for the last three years really a downward trajectory in nickel prices, as we've seen with a lot of other commodities. And actually, in, uh, in January this year, we hit $7,500 a tonne for nickel, which was a 14-year low. Oh, yeah. um, nickel prices have sort of climbed back up and, and, and hit um, a year high at 10600 today. Um, and I think that the key drivers behind the nickel market are is that it effectively late last year, the market went into a balanced situation. And this year, consensus is predicting a deficit of somewhere between 80 to 100,000 tonnes. So we're then moving into a, a deficit market. And as you say, demand is still growing um, somewhere around three to five percent a year. Um, inventories are declining. 
So we're actually now seeing all of that oversupply start to be worked out of the system. And I think over the next two to five years, we're going to see some very encouraging nickel pricing. Okay. I mean, I wanted to go into more detail regarding, you know, you've got both these projects together now. And what's that's going to mean economically going forward for, for, for HZM, your financial position? Yeah, so um, obviously today's announcement is the pre-feasibility. Um, yes. The next stage of the project is the full feasibility, which takes us really into the detailed engineering, um, brings the, the cost estimates down to sort of plus or minus 10%. Um, we will advance the permitting. I mean, this year in May, we got our preliminary mining license. The next stage will be to get our uh, installation license to allow us to go into construction. And we've now got a roadmap out there to production, which is putting us uh, sort of ramp up late 2019. So I think it's a very exciting time for us. Um, we have demonstrated that this project is now, we're calling it a tier one asset, um, which is sort of a, a best in class asset. It's one of the largest undeveloped nickel saprolite projects globally today. And it's for the right places in terms of upper quartile cost curve, and in a lower range of the of the operating cost curve, so all the things you want to see in a quality asset. Yeah, and, and indeed, a, a couple of weeks back, you you brought you brought on, um, you, well, you, you mentioned David Hall being in place, and with all these background experiences, so you know you've got a large asset. You need to have the right people in place. You seem to be doing that as well. Yeah, that's the other key. We've got a very strong uh, a board and, and management team that can deliver this project. Um, the, the, the board and management have got uh, exploration, development and mining experience. We've got a very good in-country team in Brazil. And also we're working with the kind of the leaders in the nickel space um, globally. We've involved um, groups like Hatch on the process side. We're working with a Brazilian group um, called IGEO who are all ex-Anglo-American. They've been involved in all of the major RKEF projects in Brazil. Um, and then going forwards, we've got a development team lined up to come in as we move through feasibility into construction. So we have all of the components in place to take this project forwards. So taking all of that into consideration, there's going to be some individuals out there that are always looking for the finer details and wondering, are there any risks? And if so, how is HZM set up to deal with those potential risks? Yeah, very good question. I mean, we've, we've obviously been developing and, and, and developing this asset for a number of years. We're, we're, we're probably starting to move into quite a unique peer group where we actually discovered um, the initial part of the project. In 2011, we then consolidated it with the acquisition from Tech. Um, and then obviously earlier this year, we closed the Glencore transaction. So it's come a long way from being a very early stage project moving into feasibility. Yeah. And on that journey in Brazil, we've developed our team, we've developed our contacts. We've got very good government relations up in the Pará state who are very supportive of the project. who are also talking about co-infrastructure development. So we're not just viewed as a small scale junior. We are now viewed at the Brazilian level as a serious developer of this asset. Indeed. So that, that is one of the big de-risking steps. Um, yeah. The resource is robust. We've drilled it off now to a level where we've got a, a reserve. So you've got de-risk on the resource. Um, we've got a proven process route. Um, we did full-scale piloting, um, able to produce high-grade commercial ferronickel. So again, a big tick on the on the de-risking the process route. Um, we got our preliminary mining license earlier this year. Another big tick on the on the de-risking on the environmental and social and licensing. Um, and the other thing is we've got a very strong group of cornerstone shareholders led by Tech out of Canada, who's got 28% of the company. 
So that gives us sort of a sort of core support to take this forward. So I think we have significantly de-risked this asset, moving it into pre-feasibility. Obviously, there are still risks out there. I would say one of the biggest is still financing, um, having having a clear route route to take this all the way through. Yeah. Um, and the other risks are all uh, manageable. Obviously, there's risk in getting the next stage of permitting, but if you've got the right team and you do it in the right way, that becomes a managed risk. So I, I think we're moving absolutely in the right direction with this project towards um, getting to the development stage. Indeed. I mean, and you you, I, you mentioned the cornerstone um, investors that you've got there. You've also got Glencore, of course, that are, hold, um, is it around 10% in, in the company at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got two of the, the sort of the tier one global miners on our, our register, along with uh, Henderson, City Financial, um, and a number of uh, other London institutional names. So for a company that's relatively small, yeah, it, it's got a fairly um, blue chip register. Um, the next stage is we've got to start getting the value proposition right. Our share price today at sort of 2p is trading at um, sort of multi-year lows. And what we're saying is we believe that we're now moving into a sort of a cycle in the mining space where we're going to have from today onwards sort of two to three, maybe uh, out to five years of, of positive nickel pricing. Yeah. Um, and there are very few other projects out there at this stage of development to come into the next cycle of, of producing mines. So I think... Horizonte as an investment proposition is very well positioned in terms of where the asset is at at the stage of development and also where we believe the nickel market's going to go over the next two to five years, which will then transflow hopefully into a significant share price increase. Yeah, I wanted you to touch on, on, the, on the demand side as well, please, um, Jeremy, because obviously with regards to what's going on with the automotive side of things, with the um, electric vehicles, etc., there's going to be a, a, a greater and greater need for nickel alloys, alloys and other components within cars going forward. So the demand is going to be increasing. Yeah, I think nickel is interestingly a late stage development metal. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, it's used in typically upstream um, end use products. So if we look at China, it's sort of gone through its primary stage of development. And now we're moving into that next stage where you're building power plants, high value items, all of which use stainless steel, which is the main end use for, for nickel. Yeah. Um, also, as you say, electric vehicles, um, there is numbers out there that, that show a significant increase in nickel in, in the new generation of, of, of batteries that service this, uh, this, this new vehicle market. So I think everything out there is pointing to strength in the, uh, in the demand side. There is no um, short term or mid term substitute for nickel. Um, so I think it is a very interesting marketplace to be in. No, I would agree. Now, I've, I've covered all my questions there, Jeremy. I didn't know if there's anything you wanted to recap on. Obviously, you've got some significant uh, milestones coming ahead. Is there anything you want to say to shareholders that are considering HZM and current shareholders to, to be looking forward to in the next three to four months, six months? Yeah, I, th I think I would say that obviously this is now a, a solid benchmark that we've put out there in terms of the numbers that are coming out of the, uh, the pre-feasibility. The key again is to reiterate that this project is viable in the current environment. Uh, and what I would say is today we're trading at around one cent per pound of nickel in the ground. And if you look at similar assets moving into feasibility stage, they trade anywhere from five up to 20 cents per pound of nickel in the ground. So. The, the story is, is well positioned for 
potential uplift going forwards. And I think now is a very good entry point for, for new shareholders to, to look at this as an investment proposition. Indeed. I mean, the striking thing about the, the data you've put out today is that you're saying that the, the project could generate $1.3 billion in free cash flow. And that's pretty astonishing for given the current market cap that's um, <laughs> given to your company. Absolutely. Obviously, you've got the capital risk in there and of you've course. got the discount for time. But this, this could be one of a number of things. It could be a, a very cash generative um, company that pays significant dividends at the right point in time. Or it could be um, an attractive asset as a bolt-on to an existing producer, or, or it becomes part of an integrated um, entity in Brazil. So we, we've got lots of options going forwards. Our focus as a company is to take it through to feasibility and into the construction phase. Um, and I think things are looking like the alignment will come um, over the next sort of 12 to 24 months. No, that's great. Jeremy, I've covered my, qu my questions. Um, thank you ever so much. And um, th all the team at ShareTalk wish you well and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, thanks very much and look forward to keeping you updated. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye for now.